Hey there, educational rock stars. Are you feeling overwhelmed with lesson planning for your English language learners? Well, I've got some exciting news for you. Introducing our upcoming free webinar, Simplify Your Approach, Three Time-Saving Routines for ELL Success. Join me for a power-packed 45 minutes that's set to revolutionize your teaching strategy. In this webinar, we'll dive into three practical, easy-to-implement routines that will not only enhance your ELL teaching methods, but also save you hours of planning time. Yes, hours. So whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, these insights are tailored to help everyone make the most of their teaching time. Plus, you'll leave this webinar ready to implement these routines the next day. So mark your calendars for our two upcoming dates. I don't want you to miss this opportunity to transform your ELL lesson planning. To reserve your spot, simply sign up at www.equippingells.com slash routines. Trust me, your future self will thank you for it. I'll see you at the webinar. Teaching ELL students is a privilege and a joy. Is it easy? No way. But with the right support, you can feel empowered to tackle each day with ease and confidence. I'm your host, Beth Boucher, founder of Inspiring Young Learners. With over 10 years of teaching both nationally and internationally, I know what it takes to ensure that your ELL students have what they need to thrive today, tomorrow, and for life. I'm on a mission to empower you to equip your English language learners. Welcome to Equipping ELLs. Let's get to today's episode. Hey there, and thanks for joining me on another episode of the Equipping ELLs podcast. We have been walking through a series on taking small steps for ELL success, highlighting different areas all throughout the school that no matter what your role is, you can take some small steps and really make a big impact on how you're showing up for your English language learners. In today's episode, I am sitting and talking with two ESL teachers teaching grades K through 12. So you're going to get a good insight into how they're taking those small steps to help their ELL students succeed. And we're going to be talking a little bit more about how we can modify our assignments and what that looks like in both elementary and middle school and high school. Enjoy. So we have Betsy with us, who is a K through five ELL teacher, and she's going to share in just a minute about herself. And then we have Hannah with us, who's six through 12. So I am so, so excited to have you both here to get to share ways that we can modify from K through 12. So this is going to be so awesome. Betsy, why don't you start and share a little bit about yourself? Thanks so much for having us. We both teach in a small rural community, very small city in Virginia, in the Shenandoah Valley. We had a very small population many years ago. Um, when I started about 20 years ago, we had nine uh, K-12 ELs. We now have 120 K-12. <clears throat> and Hannah and I share about 60-ish each from K-5 and then 6-12. Um, so I've been doing this about 20 years. It's all I've ever done. I love, I love ELs. I love everything about it. The families are wonderful. The instruction is forever changing. And, <laughs> and we joined Equipping ELLs last year and just are so excited to have the resources that you've been providing. Thanks so much for that feedback. We're glad you're part of it. 
So I teach in the secondary level. I have taught in state and city my whole teaching career, which is a little less than 20 some years. But I started out as a special ed teacher and then I jumped to gen ed and then I wanted back to special ed. And then I moved into the land of English language learners. <laughs> and that was after COVID and shutdown and virtual and hybrid and everything. So it's been a learning curve for me in some ways, more so on the high school level. I've been in the middle school for about eight, nine years now. So I have enjoyed it thoroughly for two years now. And I like the relationships that we build with our students. And I like to see how they come from the elementary school into the middle school and then seeing what they're going to conquer in the high school. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love that. And then getting them into the the greater big world. (laughs) And I mean, that's so cool. I wanted to go from nine students to now 120. I mean, Betsy, that's probably Mm -hmm. incredible to just see where it's come from. But to also have that personal relationship that it's the two of you that you can see them, you know, continue their journey on and really help support them from K through 12 is so powerful. We get kind of nerdy excited because <laughs> it's like Hannah's only been with us for two years. And and so the team, we're growing the team. And it's so exciting because every meeting is, well, you know, if we're doing this in the third grade, then how can we make it extend when they're in fifth and then they go to sixth and Hannah gets them? And then how can we bridge that? And What about, you know, the families who have siblings in third grade who are at the high Mm -hmm. school and what can we do? And so it's, it's just a continual high energy. I love that (laughs) so much. That's, that's how it should be, you know, just really kind of look, be able to look forward and see how, how we can keep moving kids along and really help Mm -hmm. give them what they need. So, well, between the experience of both of you, there's a lot of years of experience. So we have a lot to talk about (laughs) today and uh, you have a lot to share with us. So. Let's start off. This is kind of a a hot topic question, I guess. I've seen in different things like using the word modifications, using the word accommodations, and there's kind of this debate of when we should use those. What does it mean? Would either of you care to share a little bit the definition of those words? And then what do you usually use in terms of in regards to working with ELL? I always look at accommodations as how you're going to accommodate the learners about where they are in that classroom. and where they need to get to access the information. And then when I think of modifying, to me, that's like the actual physical change of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So how are you changing either your lesson or the curriculum or the outcome to what you want the student to show or the outcome that meets the learner's needs? Yeah. Okay. So this might be the same way of saying it. It might not. (laughs) So an accommodation, and Beth, you chime in, an accommodation might be a pair of glasses and a modification might be giving them three vocabulary words instead of 10. Yeah, I agree. I think accommodations tend to be more used commonly with special ed. That's why I was interested with your response, mm-hmm. Hannah, because yeah. you've had that experience. You know, but I think what you're yeah. saying exactly, like the accommodations of what what's the surrounding, what do we need to do to really put this student in a place where then we can give them what they need, the resources. And then the modifications would be taking that curriculum, the content, you know, whatever the resources, and then making it so that it's the outcome that we're looking for to help that student reach what we're, what we're desiring of them. So 
That's just a fun little question I want to get us started with, because, you know, at the end of the day, we really, we all want to do what's best for our students. So we don't want to get caught up in, in those debates, but we want to know how do we modify on the fly and just make this part of our daily activities. So why first, why is this even important for, you know, ESL teachers, homeroom teachers? Why is this important for us to know? And how have you found this to be helpful as you've grown in in your understanding of this? I've only been in the EL world. I have not been a classroom teacher, and that's by design. <laughs> I, I bless the classroom teachers. Oh, my gracious. But for me, modification is something I do all the time every day throughout my day and have done forever. Mm-hmm. And it's And it's this way of thinking almost. It can be kind of a paradigm shift to say we have this different learner and how can we take this curriculum that the state and the school says they have to learn and how can we make it more accessible to them? And so that's all, that's all we do in EL a lot of time is helping that child. Our job is to help them access the curriculum that's already there. They don't have a different curriculum. They -hmm. still have to take the SOLs and pass the SOLs and they still have to take the WIDA, the access test, but how do we help them access that learning and be able to learn? Yes, I love that. Go for and it, I think in specifically in Stanton, we have, like Betsy said, for a long time, it was like we, you know, we had one or two kids in a grade level or in a school. And so a lot of teachers were able to kind of figure it out to some degree with one or two kids, mm-hmm. you know, this, mm-hmm. this is the population was so small, but in the past year, like our population has almost essentially doubled. In. Wow. Um, and that is in a, and that is in a variety of levels. I mean, that's not just newcomers or, you know, kids that have been here and moved in, but all of a sudden our teachers, our gen ed teachers are facing like, what do I do with not just one kid, but I have five kids. I have six kids. Teachers are kind of being forced in a way to figure out what needs to happen. And that's where we have to kind of figure out, well, how can we help them? Because there's two of us and yeah. we have six, five, six, yeah, five, bu- <laughs> five buildings. Hannah covers two wow. and I cover three. So, wow. so, you, have so we, you have a lot going on. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When we modify, like Betsy said, it's a little bit second nature to us because mm-hmm. That's just what our experience is. But when you have a classroom of 18 yeah. kids, 25 kids, or you know, 28 kids, how do you get the teacher to think that way on right. the fly, you know, or how to yeah. how to make how to make a quick decision? Well, Absolutely. and the school year PD that we've been doing online is it's mm-hmm. not a here's how you do this, here are the three steps, and now go and do it. And that's all we need to tell you. It is a mind shift. Yeah. It's 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 getting someone to say this is a different learner, very able learner. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do I make my mind kind of go? Oh, okay. They can't do this because of the language, but they yeah. can do this. Yeah. No. I mean, it really does come down to you know <laughs> that mind shift that's going to say, okay, I can see that this student is capable of showing what mm-hmm. they know about this topic, I might need to modify how I'm asking the student to show what he knows, you know, yes. because it's, it's either going to be this 
I, I just, I wish teachers and they'll get there. I think, you know, as, as things are changing and things are happening, yeah. teachers are really faced with either you continue to demand the student to perform at this level that they're not capable of because you're not giving them the right scaffolds and it's going to leave the student totally disengaged and it's going to leave the teacher feeling mm-hmm. frustrated or you can say and decide, okay, how can I help to unlock this child and the, and the language barrier? Let me, what hindrances can I remove so that I can really see what this child can show and how they can engage in my classroom and what I'm teaching. And I think as, as like you're saying, it's not a one, two, three, now just apply this and it's going to work like magic. It's getting to know the students. And then I think as teachers start to see like, oh, wow, this worked. Oh, wow. Like, look at what they were able to come up with. Look at how engaged they are. Look how excited they are about learning, which is, I think, you know, the passion behind what you guys are doing, why you want to teach other teachers this. Well, and also it's, it's helping a teacher. I get, I get it. If I wasn't in this world and a child came to me from China who had a completely different alphabet and I didn't know these things that I know, it would be very much of a, oh my gracious, Yep. If I don't have the language, I can't do any of those, yep. but it, but it really is in talking to teachers. It's so much, it's so exciting. So let's get into that. Will you, do you guys mind walking us through one or two examples of, of what this looks like? What kind of, you know, modifications do you be, begin with? Let's take that example that you shared, Betsy, of, you know, you have a new student who just came from China. You don't know the language, completely different alphabet. It, you know, there's no real cognates that you can come up with. You're at a loss of how do you begin to support this student? So what would you say? Yeah. Well, to begin with, I would, I would sound so simple, but things like making them feel safe and welcome in your classroom is going to go a long way for that student to be able to risk learning, even in the most wonderful circumstances, they're going to be scared. They're going to be afraid of, of how do schools work? How, how does the teacher address the class? Where's the bathroom? How do I, you know, so, so things like pictures and gestures and a buddy in the classroom, all of those things are, are not new lesson plans, but there are ways to just modify what you're already doing and kind of set that child up to feel like it's okay to be there and it's okay to, to risk learning. Absolutely. Anna, what about the High school. Um, have encouraging teachers to be empathetic to going, you know, these kids have come through a major life move for most of them or circumstances that most likely you or I don't have knowledge of or have experienced. Last year, I legitimately felt that I learned something new every day or from a new perspective every day from my mm. students. I like to encourage the teachers first and foremost, just give them time in the classroom and let them observe and take in Mm -hmm. and to feel safe. And as we see more and more students that are coming from situations that are traumatic as a refugee or, you know, crossing a border, um, Mm -hmm. we have to give them time to adjust. Making the student feel comfortable. And I think also looking at Betsy and I, and thankfully our system, we've been able to hire some bilingual instructional assistants. Absolutely. Just as you were talking, Hannah, just thinking even more important, I think, for high school teachers to really give their students, the newcomers, that space. Because 
you know, yeah. in elementary kids don't have as much of that, like, okay, you know, feeling so insecure at the younger grades. Once they get, you know, middle school, high school, it's like, even if you know the language, there's so many social pressures and wanting to fit in and, mm-hmm. and, and the size of, I didn't even think about, you know, because I live here, I live in Panama. And so I've seen what the high schools look like and they're nothing compared to, you know, the, the size of high schools in the U S. And so just thinking of yeah. trying to find their way around a high school and going into the gym and having everyone's changing clothes. I mean, just, there's so much <laughs> to think through of yeah. like, what, what is this day going to look like? How can we, you know, highlight areas that are going to cause anxiety and confusion and either create a visual for what's going to happen next. I have on episode seven, I refer to this episode all the time, but it's one of my friends who he entered the States at 16 as a newcomer and hearing his story is really powerful because he said, you know, in Panama, you don't move classes. Like everyone all together goes Mm -hmm. throughout their whole day. And he's like, so my first day, you know, the bell rang after first period. And I was just like, okay, I'll just follow these kids and everybody goes (laughs) directions. And he's like, what do I do now? Like, you know, so my whole plan just didn't work. So those are the types of things that it's like, wow, there's so much that (laughs) if we think it through, we can really help them. And they're going to feel so comfortable, you know, even just after. Well, and I think what's different to that you know in the elementary and a middle school level like students enroll you find a classroom for them and they kind of work with it it's right. auto- enrollment is fairly automatic yeah but when you come to a high school level they really do have to consider what classes did you take and what do we have that kind of blends into that mm-hmm. and so I've become more involved in their scheduling you know, doing interviews with the family when they enroll. And, you know, some families, they don't have their school records. I've become more active in the enrollment process and also looking and also looking at their building their schedule. So they have lunch with somebody that's in EL class with them. Well, and I I would say building on that, I think a big role in the six through 12 world for ELs is the EL teacher being the advocate. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just so important to have yeah. that voice because they just don't know what they don't know. And the families don't know what they don't know about how schools operate. So, yeah. mm-hmm. so scheduling can sound like, oh, we just need to plug them in to SOLs because they need the graduation credits, but that's not necessarily the best path um, yeah. or the path that should be taken as they get walk into the school. Yeah. But so. also giving choice to some of those kids, you know, if you have to choose between music, art, or drama, taking the time to get to know the student to say, if you had a choice, what would you do? Yeah, no, that's that's such a great point. Okay, we're running out of time. So I want to get into, um, (laughs) I know, I told you this is is so fun. (laughs) I want to get into some of your modifying on the fly. So why don't you guys each jump into that and share a little bit more about that? Okay, so- Basically, what what we talk about with our teachers is the one thing it's not is it's not another lesson plan. It's not hours of work. It's not doing something different. It's tweaking. Um, it's it's really just tweaking what you're doing. So, for example, if you have um, a student who is a level one or two, and I'm talking about elementary, even mm-hmm. a fourth grade, and they are teaching the Civil War and the student is in your room and you're like, okay, we've got leaders, we have battles, we have SOL bullets, we have to learn all of this. And you have slides up, you could highlight 
two of the vocabulary words and look at that student and say, copy those two mm -hmm. words. Um, and if they have enough English, draw a picture of those two words. So that's limiting the number of vocabulary, the amount of academics that student is taking in, but you didn't take them over to the side. You didn't have a translator tell them at the beginning of the class. You just did it while you were teaching. Yeah. And it is, some of it's in the visual presentation of things. I was like, sometimes it's, you know, I encourage teachers, I was like, you need to slow down. Like, you know, just mm -hmm. a verbal slow down in what you're talking. A lot of times I tell teacher, I'm like, throw a picture up there. What do you want them to see and hear and read yeah. when you go over the notes with them? And yeah. So another example I was thinking of is say you had um, the third grade class. I'm, we, I'm going from our some of our things that we're sharing with the teachers and it was ancient Egypt and the class was reading a book about ancient Egypt. It could be the, um, the magic tree house series. Well, obviously a level one or two can't handle that, but the teacher could find a nonfiction small book. That's just ancient Egypt with pictures. Mm -hmm. um, and that student could, could follow along during reading and could just look at that book um, and things like that. Or um, the teacher could point out, you know, three words in that little book, you know, to write on a piece of paper while they're listening. Mm -hmm. So that yeah. on a lesson, it's related to what they're doing, but it's more on that level when the, um, the Magic Treehouse book, that child's not going to be able to absorb any of that information. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, keeping it so wet that it's the teacher's not taking away from the lesson that's being taught, but finding ways to right. take mm -hmm. that lesson and make it you know, comprehensible with, you know, an appropriate expectation. Yes. With that first example, I was just thinking too, something easy that I love to do is, you know, have a, a picture of the vocabulary that they're going to be covering. So, you know, like you said, okay, pyramid, maybe if you're talking about ancient Egypt. So giving them the picture beforehand and then maybe putting the vocab on separate sticky notes. So then when they listen, maybe if they hear right. that, that, or see that picture come up, they get yes. to engage with that. And then, you know, have to find the sticky note that matches it. So it's like, there's also so many engagement right. techniques that help when you're modifying because they're like looking yes. for that picture. They're, they're engaged. They get to raise their hand yes. and, you know, show the picture that they have. So yes. again, yeah. it's just reading. Yeah, go for it. No, I was thinking as you were saying that is if the teacher is reviewing um, information with the class and she is asking the class, okay, tell me the definition of this word she could have that student repeat the word, yeah. you know, and that's right there. Um, we've, we've found so often that speaking is, is so easy to increase and yet it's so hard to remember to do that. Yes, like that. I agree. And even, you know, the other day I was doing a lesson in my daughter's class of high frequency words and I was working with four kids who are all ELLs and just taking, so they had to, you know, read a sentence silently and I thought, okay, let's take it a step further and have them ask each other this question because they were working on, you know, a, yes. a, a frequency word. And I was like, taking it that one step further where now they're having to dialogue and one student's asking the question, the other one's responding. So they're taking that high frequency word in context yes. and now they're talking about it. Doing things like that, it's like, that is so yes. powerful to just have them speak it. <laughs> yeah, Hannah, why don't you share, share one that yeah. you would encourage your high school teachers to use? giving them access to different tools on technology that mm -hmm. they can use. And when teachers give me time and information to prep ahead of time, 
it works great. Yeah. And so a lot of times, like I can create some like vocabulary flashcards with pictures. And then I just push it out to the teacher and say, load this in Google Classroom. And it is some of it's just vocabulary, like on history, or it's vocabulary on science. I would say when English teachers are reading books out, a lot of times I just encourage them, find an audio clip of it, or instead of reading this whole Odyssey book, let's just focus on one story. Mm-hmm. And I think what we focused on last year, like with my guys, is that we did Cyclops. And so we found on the modified Cyclops version. And then we created storyboard pictures of Cyclops. Mm. And I said, what do you want them to know about? And they want, well, I want them to know the characters, the beginning, the middle, and the end. Mm -hmm. And so we created basically Google Slides pictures of how did they get there? What did they see? You know, what were the tools they used? And so they could create a visual representation of what the story was. Mm -hmm. It was like one of my very proud teacher moments where they had to present it to the class and so I had four boys one was the narrator one was the beginning part of the story one took the middle oh, part and one it. took the end part and we practiced it like for several days they had the courage to stand up in front of their classmates and they they read through each of their slides and they told the whole story of Cyclops and I'm back there going I'm so proud. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's great. But it took away, I mean, when they saw the text of the Odyssey, their first reaction was like, nope, we can't do this. But we broke it down in such a way that they could access that information. Now, they accessed it mainly through video and audio and images Mm -hmm. and with lots of review. But you know, they felt so proud being able to do yeah. the exact same project yeah. that their peers did. Yeah. And they nailed it. Hannah, can you tell really quickly, because Beth, are we running out of time? Yeah. Um, the story without names or any of grade levels or anything, but she had a great conversation with a um, middle school teacher recently and was so frustrated with how are we going to cover this SOL? And you had a great modify on the fly. Um, of what to do. Do you remember that with the poems? Yeah. So he, so we had two new students that moved in. I mean, they were absolutely considered newcomers. I met with the team of teachers and one just kind of, I mean, based off of words, body language and tone, he was frustrated. (laughs) Um, And so I let him share his piece and he was just like, he's not going to get the poem tree, you know, she's not going to do this. She won't be able to understand anything. She won't get mood or theme or anything like that. And I finally, when he got done, we had the conversation of, well, poems actually probably a really good place to start because Mm -hmm. it can be less text. It's less overwhelming. I agree. She's probably not going to get some of the in-depth stuff that you are looking at in sixth grade. But if you are reading about emotions let's come up with what are some of the words of what are some of the emotion words that she could recognize and have her find those in the text and have her circle them have her write them if they're reading a poem about a tree let's find all the words that deal with tree root bark leaves you know Mm -hmm. whatever you want and then we could have her label a tree and find those words 
they have this moment of panic because yes. here I have a kid that I can't communicate to them. They can't communicate to me. What am yeah. I going to do? You know, yeah. we have to meet where they're at. You're right. They're not going to read this lengthy poem by Walt Whitman and understand everything. But, mm-hmm. you know, what we can do is think about what are some key vocabulary words we want them to get. Yeah, absolutely. And then take it from yeah. there. Take those small steps first. That's what this series is called, Small Steps to Success. So, <laughs> because yes. I, I mean, understandably so, I know, I know the panic. I've had that panic myself when I was given mm-hmm. a newcomer in a second grade yeah. homeroom classroom and I already had 26 other kids. So, you know, it's all of a sudden like, what am I supposed to do? No one's given me any guidance on this. This is, I just don't know. And so, yeah, it's that support of, okay, here, here's the next small step we can take. And, and then, you know, that's how we all can grow to better support our ELLs. Well, ladies, yeah. thank you so much. This was so, so helpful. And I hope nice. everyone listening just comes away encouraged. If you are a homeroom teacher and you are listening, reach out to your ESL teacher. I, I even when you guys were talking, I was just thinking like, how powerful for an ESL teacher to come in and, and kind of audit a lesson of not in a bad way, but Hey, you know what, if you would have added a visual, that would be a great way to modify this. So let's be open to ways that we can get better to help support our ELLs. We all have things we can do to take small steps to have them be more successful in our school. So thank you so much, Betsy and Hannah, and hope you guys have a great day. Thank Thank you you. so much, Beth. Really enjoyed it. There's always a solution. Always. Yes. (laughs) Yes, there is. Absolutely. And if you feel like you're stuck in your school environment and you're not finding solutions, join us in Equipping LLs because we have a really great community there too. So like Betsy and Hannah. So (laughs) awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining me in today's episode. All links and resources mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you're looking for even more support and done-for-you resources created specifically for the needs of ELLs, head to inspiringyounglearners.com. I'll catch you here next week. Until then, take that next step to keep equipping your ELLs.